listening to Throw the Podcast, brought to you by ThrowTheX.com, the very best in mediocre wrestling journalism. And now your hosts, Jay Gunter and Ben Conrad. So everybody knows that I hate New York City. Okay, we went over this a million times during WrestleMania week. You know, the, the people there are mean or sad. It's dirty. It smells funny. And the transportation is horrible. Like, like I hated getting around the city. But there was a few bright spots of being in New York City. And, and I bring that up for a very specific reason, which I'm going to get into here in a minute. But let me go ahead and introduce my co-host. He is his, his hatred for New York comes in a distant third to that of the state of Ohio and Big Cass. He is Ben Conrad. Ben, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Jay. Um, and there's, there's this thing out there called Purell that if you take it with you to New York City, it's not so bad. As long as you have Purell... The city is a little bit less disgusting, um, but I'm good, Jay. Glad you asked. Who else do we have on with us? And Somebody that, very what, important. Yeah, that's what I'm getting to. You know, one of the highlights about us being in New York is uh, for, you know, everyone should know by now we're part of the, the WrestlingNewsWorld.com family. You know, there's a lot of fun stuff going on there. They got backstage news. They have other podcasts, Smart to Death. Um, I know they do a lot of results and things like that. And while we were in, at WrestleMania, while we were in New York for it, we got to do our first ever live podcast with one Thomas Fenton. And that was a milestone for us because today we have the man back. He, he After that debacle, he still decided to join us again. So without further ado, I would like to introduce you to one Thomas Fenton. Tom, how you doing, bud? Hey, I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me back. How are you? Oh, you know, I no complaints out of me. Um, That's good. Yeah, I, I'm really excited to get into some of this stuff with you because, um, you know, me and Ben, we've been talking a lot. There, there's a lot of stuff going on in the wrestling industry, um, and not a lot of people know about it because, Tom, I know you pay close attention to um, the business aspect of wrestling, and it turns out that nobody's watching WWE anymore. Um, <laughs> if you watched Raw and SmackDown from, from two weeks ago, you made up 20% of their audience. And I wanted to get your perspective on that. Cause, cause me and Ben, we're more drinkers than thinkers. Um, um Hey Ben, can we get that on a t-shirt? Absolutely. Fantastic. One step ahead of you. And, and I want to talk to you about that because when we were talking previously, you threw out some interesting numbers and, uh, what is your take on what is going on with WWE on the business side? You know, what's really intriguing, guys, and I, I did a pod earlier this week, and I'll do another one tomorrow um, on the Raw Views pod, and we really broke down and got into the different demographics and the different statistics that lead into WWE's viewership right now. And there's a lot of disturbing numbers. And it's not so much the decline in audience that I think is important, because what a lot of people are getting at is, oh, Raw lost X amount of viewers, this or that. Uh, truth of the matter is, Monday Night Raw and SmackDown are both beating the MLB when it was aired on Fox in the fall. Those, th that's not a concern. The concerning numbers is when Raw loses 20% of their audience a year over year. The concerning numbers are the over 55 demo consisting of 62% of their audience. WWE and MLB in a lot of major sports right now are in a huge flux because they're having an inability to create that new fan. 
they're having the inability to bring little Johnny, who may be a sixth grader, to turn him onto their product, whether it is MLB, whether it is a live sport, or whether it is professional wrestling. It's a consistent problem across the board, except for what we're seeing now with WWE, is they almost missed an entire generation of fans, and it's truly starting to reflect in the viewership numbers, statistically and in the ratings. See, I, I think those numbers are staggering, and, and I have a, a an idea about it, and, and I want Ben to actually chime in, because... Ben, uh, we've been talking about this for years. And as a matter of fact, it's not just us. Uh, I know Tom does, and I know wrestling fans around the world, um, especially the hardcore wrestling fans, talk about this. And it's basically WWE's failure to create new superstars, specifically those that are coming out of NXT. And Ben, I know that uh, you're a huge fan of NXT. As a matter of fact, you like NXT more than you like main brand. When, when we go to events, when we go to WrestleMania you look forward to the NXT shows more than you do the actual events that we're there to cover. Um, ben, do you think that that has any reason, anything to do with why WWE is failing to create these new fans? You know, it's it's kind of a conundrum to me. Um, Tom, let me get this straight. Did you say the demographic of 50 years of age and older makes up 62% of Monday Night Raw and Tuesday SmackDown's viewing audience? Is that right? It was it, No, that specific number of that percentage was a demo from Monday Night Raw from a week ago from this previous Monday. Okay. Whether that specific demo fluctuates, how much can it particularly fluctuate at that point? All I think the bigger point of that is, and you bring it up, and it's staggering to you, obviously, and you'll, you'll get into your opinion in a moment. It's just we have to start really looking at this audience that WWE's trying to capture, and they don't have any of it, what they have left right now are those fans that are lifers. They're the ones that are just, well, my brain is programmed to watch wrestling on Monday nights. I'm turning it on. Whether I'm fully focused or watching it or not is a completely different story. Right, and I would probably include myself in that, uh, in what you just described. But Tom, and Jay also, now, let's say, you know, I took uh, maybe a few months off wrestling, okay? I'm on, I'm on a wrestling vacation. And you told me that statistic, Tom, and you asked me why I thought that was. I would say, oh, it's got to be, uh, you know, um, a month before WrestleMania season. You know, they just brought Goldberg and Sting back and Hulk Hogan and The Undertaker and The Rock. You know, they're bringing these old school guys back, you know, Shawn Michaels, uh Stone Cold, I don't know. But the fact that this is last week's Raw you're giving me these statistics about, um, they haven't brought back any of these legends. Um, as a matter of fact, I, I think they're doing a, a better job of bringing these younger guys up. Um, obviously, many of them, if not all of them, with no storyline, which you know I'll complain about later. Later. Um, but I think there are, are more fresh faces on Raw now than there has been in the past year. Um, so to read that statistic is really baffling to me. I'm not sure. Jay, any opinion on why that may be? I, I think you already mentioned it. Um, they're, they're bringing all these people up with no storylines. And 
I mean, Tom, can you name one storyline that has actually been worked out long term? Because I know that you pay attention to this stuff and you, you're you a big fan of what's called backwards booking, which basically is when the writers take what's supposed to happen at the next major pay-per-view, uh, SummerSlam, Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, and, and they already have the matches put together that they want. And they book backwards to make sure that they tell the story leading up to these. And, and I know from talking to you, the past couple of WrestleManias haven't been covered like that. And I think that that might be a big reason. You, you know, they're bringing up all these new wrestlers, but nobody outside of, you know, the hardcore wrestling fans know who these people are. And I don't think they're doing a good enough job to, to actually let people know, to, to, to force people to care about them. And and I don't know. Sure. And, sure. And I, I think it's twofolds. Um, I, I think when you bring up the, the caring aspect and the stars... And when they're bringing them up right now, you're very accurate to state that there is not a lot of plans. There has not been, minus a few, different individual talent that were brought up, long-term plans for anyone. So how can you make a talent, male or female, who is a star in NXT, anything more than a mid-carder on your main roster, if you're not doing anything with them? It's almost as if lately that ceiling has been whatever they do in NXT, and then we bring them up and they're just here. It's a huge problem, but as far as the booking goes, and you had mentioned that the, the backwards, you know, WB has made a ton of changes backstage as far as producers and agents. They've removed a lot of people that were previously booking, either let go from the company or moved on to different positions. They've brought in a lot of people, and they've brought in some... People who may have used to, you know, have some minds for them or what did we used to do together. All those things being said, they are trying everything right now except for trying to make this the most simplistic thing ever. It's professional wrestling. No matter what, no matter if they're a media company, they're a rights company, whatever you want to call WWE, it's still professional wrestling. The overconvolution of all the angles and everything is, I think, turning off a lot of people. Like, Ben, let's, let me, this past week on Raw, you had Braun Strowman, basically, storyline-wise, have another homicide on his hands, and he killed Sami Zayn. Sami opens up SmackDown. Like, for, for a fan who, let's say, age 12, little Johnny's watching, how are we supposed to explain this to him the next day? And, and not to or, mention, you know, Sami Zayn ends up uh, finding himself in a very important triple threat later in the night. Oh, Absolutely. Um, you know, you're absolutely right, Tom. And I think that, you know, everybody has kind of made a good point about the storylines, about the up-and-comers, about uh, even, you know, bringing back legends, having something to do with this uh, this statistic that you read earlier, uh, Tom. But I can't get over this 62%. I think while we're all kind of on the right track, I think, Tommy, you hit it right on the head when you said that it's because nobody watches Raw. Because to tell me that 62% of their viewers are 50 and over, I'd say you were smoking crack. But it makes sense when you think about it in this way. Tom, you had a great point. These 50 and overs are diet, these are wrestling fans that have no choice but to watch Raw, like me. I'm only 30, but for example, I'll watch Raw one week. I'll call you or I'll call Jay and I'll say, guys, I ain't watching Raw anymore. This is ridiculous. I'm turning it off. I'm not watching next week. Then where do I find myself next week? I find myself in front of my TV watching all three hours of Raw and the same with SmackDown. So, you know, I, I think if Raw was doing, you know, four and a half million viewers like they were in the, the mid to late 2000s, 
Um, the 62% over 50 would be a ridiculous number. But I think the fact that they're not getting any new viewers and they're keeping the old viewers, like you mentioned earlier, I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, hey, Ben. Uh, ben, I'm going to cut you off for a second, okay? I pulled a number for you specifically okay. just because I wanted you to have it in front of you. Okay. So they're, they're 18 to 49 viewership this past week for Raw. So that's any viewer age 18 to 49. Of Monday Night Ben now, of Monday Night Raw's average 2.23 million fans, how many of those fans, Ben, were 18 to 49? Um, it would be under a million. 680,000. 680,000. Wow. That's crazy. That, yeah, that, that is a, that is probably the most, we can throw percentages out all you want, but if you're looking at the fact that 680,000 18 to 49 year olds, male and female, watched that program. That is beyond telling. Right. I think, um, and I, I think the way you explained it, I think the 50 and overs have always been there, uh, week to week for years. I just think that the 49 and, and below, I think they're just not there anymore, you know, and that's, that's kind of skewing the percentages. You know, you're also not getting that four and a half million viewership like we were years ago. Um, on a weekly sure. basis, you know, now we're down to what, 2.2? Yeah, it's about the average at this point. So that'll, and, and I think that'll skew the numbers right there. Oh, it sure will. But look at it this way, too. So, and Jay, look at it from, from this perspective as well. We see kids all the time, you know, they're not really into live sport like we talked about earlier. They're super into their iPads. So when little Johnny, age 10, has the option on his iPad to touch the screen to make wrestlers move, he may be more interested. Little Johnny, does he's just not for them right now. This specific generation, WWE, is going to have to continue with the YouTube and creating new ways for this younger audience to watch because their attention span is not there for a two-hour wrestling show, let alone a three-hour wrestling show, and it may even be shorter than that. Yeah, I, I, I think that that plays a lot into it too, and I think both of you bring up a, a ton of great points, and and I know for a fact, like, um, for those of you that don't listen to Thomas Fenton's other stuff, he, he has a very unique view on wrestling because he's been covering it for so long. And and he's very good when it comes to numbers. And um, when we launch our financial podcast, it's going to be uh, Conrad's Cashflow, brought to you exclusively by WrestlingNewsWorld.com. <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to bet that you could have Thomas Fenton on. He could talk for hours about um, the business aspects of wrestling because he's very good at it. He's very good at digging deep. Um, I do want to touch on something else because I... Hey, Jay. Yeah. Before before we, we jump into something else, I'll have you guys think about this and maybe we can touch on it next week or on the next pod, all right? I think those viewership numbers and the demos are directly tied to live events right now. So when we look at all the live events that are extremely poor as far as ticket sales and revenue right now what aren't they getting they're not getting those kids under 18 you know look at the ratings if wwe was able which they are because they have a marketing machine behind them to capture these families back to these live events we will then see less seats more money will be spent on merchandise you may create a new fan and i'll leave it at this on the other pod we discussed wwe has hundreds 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 of talent employed why is some of this talent not doing meet and greets with these fans beforehand? This talent, I'm not talking that you know the top of the line talent. We're just talking some of the undercard guys. WWE should not feel above 
interaction live with their fans at these events because the other companies are doing it right now. The Ring of Honors, the MLWs, the AEWs. WWE is going to have to evolve and adapt to draw back those fans, the live audience. And I, again, I just think it correlates together. Yeah, and and before we jump, just to, to touch on that, I, I know one of the reasons um, when we were all at WrestleMania, and I know that you got to attend because of the whole media thing, but if, if I wanted to go to the media, the, the all-access for WrestleMania and meet some of these wrestlers, it was like $130 just to get in the door. And then you had to pay above and beyond that if you actually wanted to meet a wrestler, stand in line for a few hours in order to meet them, uh, which was insane to me. But um, you brought up a very good point. You were talking about it's actual professional wrestling. And I want to kind of switch gears. I want to go to a company that is kind of putting their foot down and saying that they're going to be the alternate. They're going to be the professional wrestling company um, of the business. And that is, of course, AEW. They have their technically second or technically first, but it, but it's actually their second pay-per-view coming up. It's uh, all or nothing uh, um out of Las Vegas. Um, Tom, I know you get to go cover this, and I know you're pretty excited about it. There's a lot of stuff on the slate, and I'm really curious about this one because it's supposed to launch their brand. Um, when I think of a brand launch, I'm, I'm wondering, are they going to start like storylines and stuff with this, or is this just going to gonna kind of be a welcome to AEW? This is you know more of a showcase of their talent. I think at Double or Nothing on May the 25th in Las Vegas at the MGM, I think what we'll see is a mixture of both. I think you'll kind of see the foundation laid and the cement kind of wet, getting laid of what they are and who they are. And I think we'll get some storylines as well for the company moving forward. Uh, there's been hints on being the elite in regards to a title belt. And obviously with this company... This company has to announce a TV deal sooner than later. Whether that TV deal, you know, is close. Is it still close? Who knows? Um, I know I had more information in regards to them landing a TV deal three weeks ago than I do now. Which, if that tells you anything, you know the direction that it went. Um, but who, who knows? I think that, though, for the rest of fans who may not be diehards to get behind a new alternative wrestling company... They're going to need to announce that to make the rest of the community believers. Okay, and and Ben, do you think that so AEW um, the, their card is pretty decent? I think it's a it's a pretty good showcase of already established talent, uh, some new talent that m people might not be familiar with because they're they're from like deep down in the indies. And uh, one that comes to mind is, of course, you're going to have formerly Goldust come back. Um, previous WWE name, and, and you got some other people that, that have some name value behind them, some people that have already established themselves in professional wrestling. Um, how do you think they're doing with this? I mean, do you, do you think this is the right way to go to kind of mix it up, or should they just start, should have just started fresh and just brought in all new people and tried to establish from there? I think bringing in Dustin Rhodes, Jay, is a... Um, it, it, it's an okay move for them, um, in my opinion. Now, a lot of people may feel different. I think the brother versus brother, especially after seeing the Cody promo that he cut um, a couple weeks ago, I thought it was fantastic. It was about like a five, six-minute long video of just him. Um, I thought it was great. Came off very well. I think that's that's something that they can do for their first pay-per-view to draw people in, this brother versus brother. Um, is the wrestling going to be great in that match? Doubt it. Um, after all, it is gold dust. 
Um, nothing against him. Love me some gold dust, but you know, you got to take the age into consideration and, uh, all those things. But as a draw, Jay, I think it is a smart thing to do to get a big name in there and a big, a big match. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to bounce off that because I've got a, a, a question for Tom. Tom, you live online. You, you, you hear the IWC, um, you know, these are supposed to be smart fans. These are, um, I like to compare them to Game of Thrones fans because there's always a theory. There are different fan theories. You know, when somebody's unhappy in WWE, the IWC runs wild and says, God, I bet they're going to AEW. Dean Ambrose has a has a new promo and he's got dice in the background and he's breaking out of prison and he's in Vegas. He must be going to AEW on the 25th. Tom, my question for you um, and it goes a little bit off of what Jay said earlier. They're billing themselves as a wrestling company. Now, while I think the Goldust versus Cody Rhodes match is good for them, I think it's a good draw. Um, if you're going to bill yourself as a wrestling company, um, Tom, is it time that we tell the IWC to, to kind of shut up with the Dean Ambroses and the Goldbergs and the, the Batistas, the, the rumors that they want to talk about that are never going to happen because they're not wrestlers? I mean, is it time that we, we, we put an end to this once and for all? Because, you know, on, on one hand, we want them to be a wrestling company. We want them to be different than WWE. We want them to be more NXT-ish, if you will. But yet, everybody can't wait to jump on the bandwagon that perhaps Dean Ambrose may join AEW. You know what I mean? So, is this? Yeah, I get what you're saying. I, I think the following is kind of important, though, and I'll, I'll kind of leave it at this. Okay. When the rumors of Goldberg going to the AEW happened, there was some validity behind them. When there was rumors that it was possible that they were trying to get The Undertaker, you know, less validity, but there was an attempt. So when we start looking at those things, and then you see WWE, in one false swoop, use the Saudi Arabia money to handle all of those problems. In one false swoop, they use the Saudi money to pull The Undertaker out of StarCast, to pull him out of any potential outside bookings. They then locked up Goldberg to another dealer deal just so he doesn't show up and possibly help someone with a TV type deal or with, you know, ad revenue or anything else. And then furthermore, we look at the Saudi show and there's Brock again. Brock is done in UFC. It looks to be at this point Dana's done playing games with Brock and he's realized Brock is just playing him again and again. So we take those names away, you know, going back to AEW, all names tied to them. Yes, there's attempts with WWE to block certain names that may have potential household value 10 years ago, but also names where if you put them in front of a TV, a TV exec is going to know who that person is. Now, if we turn this back to the Dean Ambrose talk that you had mentioned, I don't know what Dean's doing. Uh, I can tell you this. Two major companies have offered Dean a, let's say, not so much of a roster spot, like, but a one-time deal. Hey, come in, do a one-off and, and get out. Uh, bigger companies. Uh, Dean hasn't returned phone calls. So you guys can, you know, play that however you want to. But if Dean's out there taking bookings and he's not returning phone calls, I, I think the water's beginning to get even more mucky. See, and, 
And I do have a question about that. And I, I don't want to get away from yeah. AEW too much because, you know, I got a lot of other stuff about AEW I want to talk with. But Sure, sure, sure. But okay, so so Dean Ambrose, formerly Dean Ambrose, John Moxley, he comes out with this promo. It, it launched three minutes after his WWE contract expired. And, and me and you talked about this. And um, me and Ben actually had this conversation. Uh, it was last podcast, podcast before this. I don't know. It was, it was a part of... Uh, Jay's conspiracy files or whatever we're going to end up calling it. It, it, it. So from a business, so he, he was under contract with WWE when this whole promo was actually recorded. Um, there, there, no other way around. Yeah, there's no, no other, way, other around way around it, period. So, so that is a fact, so, and we know that. So there's no possible way that AEW had any type of, of dealing in this because it would have been tampering. You know, they could get sued. Uh, same thing with any other company. Your New Japans, your Ring of Let me tell you, off for one, tell you off for one second, and you go right back to what you're talking mm-hmm. about. I had a fan ask me, so what? Just tamper. It's worth it. I don't think people realize how big of a tampering lawsuit when you're talking wrestling company for wrestling company, you open yourself up for at that point. Like you're you're talking major. Please continue. Yeah, absolutely. So so my thing when when me and Ben were talking about it, and I'm not saying that this is it. I'm not saying that this is exactly what's happening. I just I just a little food for thought. The WWE, um, they have been known not frequently, but they have been known with your uh, your CM Punks and whatnot to kind of play around with the fans almost to 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 go you know to to kayfabe and and all that other fun stuff and my thought is what if it was wwe behind this what if wwe produced this what if they want everyone to think that dean's gone what if they purposely added a couple aew clues in there and um wanted to 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 get the talk about oh my god dean ambrose really is going and and he's going to do all this other stuff and and ben actually brought up well you know he's doing independent bookings and when you look at the independent bookings that that he was he was rumored to go to, they weren't any big companies. You know, they, it, he wasn't going to be wrestling for New Japan. He wasn't going to be wrestling for Ring of Honor stuff like that. Uh, they were rumored to be you know very small independent companies. And my thought behind it is that would be great for WWE. That that would be more fuel for the story of he's gone to, than to let him you know wrestle like the, these small independent shows. Uh, do you think there could be any chance that the WWE might be behind this? I think when you had brought up the whole CM Punk idea, um, when you brought up how his contract was up, they did the whole Money in the Bank thing, trying to more or less play towards that work, shoot, we're still edgy, right? Mm-hmm. So with the with the Ambrose thing, I don't know where it's leading. Um, I, I absolutely do not, but I, I will say this. In my opinion, from the get-go, if we look at how they announced he was leaving, how the contract was, how they kept pushing it and pushing it and pushing it, and the send-off and everything else. WWE and Vince doesn't give someone a send-off hoping they'll come back later. That's just not how he is. However, where I have a hard time understanding is WWE put all this money into the Dean Ambrose name, making that Dean Ambrose name as big as they could. So on the off chance it's a work... And somehow Dean, through negotiation, obviously, changed his name to Moxley to kind of separate from the Shield. While I understand that, from a business sense, it's hard to justify that line cross at that point. Okay, and you know I agree with that. And I know Ben was talking a lot about that. He, um, 
he he mentioned a lot of what you just said. And uh, Ben, could you give me a percentage? I mean, I know that there's there's a small part of you that thinks that this might be WWE. I mean, do you think it's still heading that way? Um, five percent. I guess if you want a percentage, there's not a very big part of me that feels like this is WWE. Um, and Tom, while we're talking about Ambrose or Moxley or you know whoever you want to call them, Tom, the pros and cons. Say this isn't a work. What are you're you're John Moxley right now? What are the pros and cons of you leaving the WWE? Because remember, he was leaving to take time off to let his body heal. He was tired of the bumps, the bruises, the the injuries, things like that. He wanted time away from the business. So for him to leave the WWE but stay in the actual wrestling business, especially the physical wrestling business, the in-ring stuff, um, is there is there more to this, more to him walking away? I mean, I know he was he had to have been making money. I, I couldn't even come close to uh, predicting a dollar amount that he was making off merchandise, let alone his, his upside, um, his guaranteed money and his television money. Um but well, he had to have been he, making a pretty penny, you know. Is he making more by taking independent bookings and maybe no, doing some independent no, uh, no, autograph no. signings, things like that? Absolutely not. So Dean, in 2017, was one of the top five highest paid guys in the company because of dates worked, as well as merchandise revenue and live events. Wow. Uh, Dean was Dean was up there. That was 2017. I don't have the 18 numbers in front of me. So Dean was making a lot of money. And the only company that could offer Dean a comparable amount would be AEW. Those things being said, AEW, like we talked about, wasn't risking a tampering. But also, Dean could be taking these bookings as well, just to kind of show, hey, AEW wasn't my wink-wink plan, but they made me an offer, now I'm going. Ooh, that would that'd be kind of dirty. I'd, I, I kind of yeah. like that. Um, I, I just, I, I, I need... For people out there to understand how deep this is going to go, though, if Dean signs with AEW, he is dead to Vince. Not not like, hey, it's wrestling, anything can happen. No, he's dead to Vince. It means Dean was able to pull the wool over Vince's head, Hunter's head, Kevin Dunn's head. That No, I'm just upset. I don't like wrestling. I just, I want some time off. Yeah. incredible yeah I, I i totally agree and and i don't mean to rush you through these topics but you know we don't get you on very no. often and, and there's a lot of stuff that that me and ben come up with that we want to ask you about and oh i've got a ton i'm telling you and, and sticking with aew so they have I, I don't know if you want to call them their big name talent but the, the talent that everybody knows about so you know your your hangman pages your young the elite yeah yeah your your young bucks your okay. kenny omegas you know chris sure, jericho's sure. I want you, so Ben might be able to get out there and um, and check out some AEW. He, he of course, lives in Phoenix, which is like, I don't know, a five-hour drive to, to Vegas. And if you get some time, he was going to think about it. Um, ben is very good when it comes to main roster talent, NXT talent, and major you know promotions, your New Japan wrestling, stuff like that. Could you give him a talent to keep his eye on that some people like him might pass over. Um, maybe a talent that isn't well known to the major wrestling fans, but somebody that you should look at and say, man, this guy is going to be big in the next couple years. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's so many companies out there with guys like that, 
but if we stick specifically to MLW, I'm sorry, to AEW, one of the things, if from looking on the outside, this is going to be Chris Jericho's first match in the United States, not under a WWE banner in nearly 20 years. That's kind of crazy to think about, isn't it? That's crazy. That, that is crazy to think about, yeah. But, uh, so Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega, which I, I believe is going to be likely the main event of the show, should be one hell of a match. Their first match was incredible. Jericho is probably in the best shape I have seen him in many, many years. Uh, when we see the AEW w, double or nothing weigh-ins, you will see, I mean, Chris Jericho is in the best shape he's been in. Uh, I think the guy, though, with the probably the most star power, and, and I'm kind of going to stick to the elite aspect of it, though, but I'm going to go Hangman Page. I, I think from a size, a physical standpoint of ability as well as storytelling in the ring. He was one of the most improved wrestlers of the last 18 months, and he's only getting better, which is crazy. Um, I think for me, if I was trying to turn a fan on to the product outside of the main, main guys, that's who I would tell him to look for. Okay. I, I always appreciate good advice, especially from you, Tommy. And actually, you know, hearing these names, Hangman Page, obviously I'm familiar with Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega, uh, Young Bucks, all these guys. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go through now that you said that I'm gonna look at some of Hangman Page's old stuff. You know I like to I like to know where people come from um, before I start watching them. It gives you an idea of who they are, where they've came from, how they've evolved, um, things ben, like that. Ben, um, let me tell you let me tell you how how Adam Page has changed. You you were at a show in 2014 watching Adam Page at a Ring of Honor event, mm -hmm. and he was probably that unnoticeable at the time that you didn't even notice him. Was I come that far? Was I there? You were there. Yeah. Whether the whether the Miller Lights had kicked in at that point, I'm not sure. That's what I was gonna say, Tom. I mean, I mean, you I was, know, Ben. I was physically there. <laughs> <laughs> I was physically there. Was that in uh, Was that in Dearborn, Michigan, by chance? It, it was. Okay, that was was that Kevin Steen's uh, send off. It was. Okay. See? see, I remember a little bit. I'm not I'm not that. He was only guys. a couple a couple blackouts, right? <laughs> but uh. You know, I, but again, though, we, we go back to that. So that's kind of, you know, and Hangman started to improve in Ring of Honor. And then really, once he got to New Japan and he started working over there is when he really started improving quickly. So, okay. so you, you, you went over pretty much the uh, the all-elite talent and, and who's going to really drive this show. And now what I want from you, Tommy, is I want you to give us the, the dark horse. Um, many of these people are going to be uh, competing in the, the Battle Royal. Uh, they're calling it the Casino Battle Royal, and there's a lot of fun stuff. You know, there's 21, you know, participants and all that fun stuff. Um, you have names. You got Sonny Kiss, you know, Brandon Cutler, Ace Romero, and, and so on. Can you give us somebody that might not have the star power of a Chris Jericho, of a Kenny Omega, somebody that you think might have the ability to maybe not steal the show, but maybe steal the match and, and kind of stick in our minds? I, I will say this. There, there's a talent on the roster who, if a WWE fan was watching, it would kind of grab them quickly. Because he's a talent that could be on the WWE roster from the way he talks. And that's MJF. Um, MJF is one of those guys, when he cuts a promo, he's going to resemble a lot of those heel mannerisms that WWE loves. And the way he comes across. Because he comes across like a star when he talks. Um, and he does it in most of his promo interviews as well. He's kind of living the gimmick. 
I think down the line, 6-12 months, MJF will probably be a star in that company. And he's already an upper star in MLW as it is right now. So the talent's there. All right. And, you know, I, I know we're running out of time, but me and Ben normally, um, before every pay-per-view, we do a kind of a pick em against each other for the pay-per-view. And, of course, WWE Money in the Bank is coming up. I, I don't want to go through all these matches because, you know, with all three of us picking, you know, we could do an entirely separate podcast for that. But How many wild card matches are there? You know, and no? okay. we're going to do that right. next episode, too. Yeah. I, oh, God. You, Good luck, guys. Yeah, you, Good luck. You, I, I won an hour 20 yesterday, and I didn't. there wasn't enough time. Yeah, you you promised me that you weren't going to upset Ben on this on this <laughs> podcast, Don. But um, uh, what do you sorry, got, Ben? Go ahead. Um, I didn't mean to I didn't mean to cut you off, but I felt like you were getting ready to cut this podcast short. I've still got a few questions for Tommy. I'm like, uh, you know how I get. I get excited when we get Fenton on here. He doesn't come on nearly enough. It, you mind if I just start shooting from the hip? Yeah, go for it. Wait, wait could we could we uh, work this into like a wild card type thing? Like this is uh, Ben's wild card question round, where where he can just go all over the board and just just blurt them out right to Tommy. We can do that. We've got so many segments, and actually, one segment that I wanted to talk to Tom about um, that we will get people. I promise you, Thomas Fashion Files are coming. Um, my first question is kind of a silly one, Tom. Now, I really wanted you on the podcast this past weekend with me and Jay. Um, and, you know, we, we couldn't get a hold of you. I know you're a busy guy. And then we started talking about the, the Thomas Fashion Files. And I said to Jay, I said, you know what? He's probably at the Met Gala. I said, where else would Tommy be on a day like this? I seen the way you were dressed in New York. And then I read the theme for the Met Gala. You want to know what the theme was? It's called... It's called camp. It's something called camp. It's known in the fashion world as a style and sensibility that regards something as appealing because of its bad taste. And I thought, Tommy's at the Met, Met Gala, and he's just not telling us. <laughs> Damn Tom- it, you blew my cover. Damn it. Uh, you know, I don't know who told you how it got back, but it's, it's not something I'm proud of, but I mean... You guys heard it here first. Your uh, the great Thomas Fenton took a weekend off wrestling and was at the Met Gala. I will never let you live that down. Okay, into the real questions. Yowie, wowie. I have forgiven him, Tom. Okay, I've, I'm a very forgiving person. What will it take for you? I mean, after all, he's done a lot of bad things. What will it take for you to forgive Bray Wyatt? What has this guy got to do to get over? You know, I, I really have enjoyed the Firefly Funhouse vignettes. I think each week they throw a new layer on it, which is cool. And it's also the same reason why no one else can get over it, because they don't have any layers in their character. So to have something different, again, different is good, such as this Bray Wyatt character, it's really cool. What I think the direction they're going in is that Bray is going to be this big-time cult leader in which he thinks he's doing right, but it's really wrong and evil. I think that's the direction. Okay. But they can go wherever they want with it. I know this. I know it's the only damn angle they have booked that's longer than two weeks right now. I can assure <laughs> you it is the only thing on the books that is booked past May 15th. 
Well, that and, and Sullivan coming out every week and just destroying everybody. I don't even know about that anymore. <laughs> okay, see you. See you. Let me hang ahead. Let me let me let me let me call Big E really quick. Let me get a comment from him. Uh, Big E said no. We don't have to worry about that anymore. Okay. <laughs> okay. Next question, and I'm shooting from the hip. These are kind of scattered around. Um, you can even give me a one-word response to this for all I care, Tom. I just want to get your opinion. How do you feel as of this moment? As Kofi Kingston as WWE champion, I, I don't think you're going to get a one word. For me, what WWE is doing is the right thing. They are going to book Kofi as a champion. They're going to have him win matches that looks like he may have lost. He will continue to pull it out match after match. He is going to try, or they're going to try with him to make that title. As the title does not make the man, the man makes the belt. Those things said, I gotta give them a little bit of credit because I think they're doing a really nice job with him. I think, for as much uh, hell as I've given him this week in regards to numbers and, and booking, I think they've done a really nice job with Kofi and the actual planning and booking of him as champion. Okay, I'd have to agree with you. You know, especially you know going clean over Daniel Bryan this past Monday night, um, and I think Kofi Kingston individually. Um, I think he's doing a good job of especially being without the new day for a little while there. I know Xavier Woods is back, you know, to, it always helps when you've, when you've got guys with you, especially when you've been in the stable for years. Um, but I think when he was by himself, he was, you know, his promos were great. He was talking clearly. He was engaged. He had the crowd engaged. So, you know, I think he knew he had to step it up and I, I think he's been doing a great job with the title so far. So hey, hey Ben, Ben, I, I know yeah. I know this isn't my segment, and I hate to jump in like this, but okay. could we do this every time that Thomas Fenton is on? And we, we'll, we'll call it Cowboy Conrad Shoots from the Hip. We'll make it a Western theme. I'll have some like Western music play plays before you you jump on because do I get boots? dude, do I, I am boots? I am really enjoying this. Like I'm just sitting back listening, and this is great. I need Break cowboy boots. I have a demand. I need cowboy boots, and we will move forward. Like like Fenton Fashion Files doesn't have a pair of cowboy boots in his closet somewhere. Come on. You know, we need an upgrade. All right. <laughs> cowboy ben, boots what do you got and, next, Cowboy boots and assless chaps, and Ben Conrad agrees. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for me. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna cut my question short because I'm gonna need some for next week. Oh, last question, Tom. Don't mean to put you on the spot, but I kinda do. Can we get on the air, can we get your word? That you will join us again before Money in the Bank or at the very least before the AEW show on the 25th of May. Yeah, you guys can you guys can be back before then. See that? that um, okay, no I, more no I, more Met Gallows or anything like that you want to tell us about? No more fashion <laughs> no, exhibits? We're, we're clean. I can We can get pencil in next week and the week after if you guys want to. See, see that's <laughs> fantastic. That, that means we can move our entire Money in the Bank segment to later. Um <laughs> but um, I, I do know you have a big, you know, you got a, a pretty busy slate coming up. And before we go, because I know we're running short on time, I do want to get your view on one in particular. And that's because it hits kind of close to home. And being kind of close to home, I'm talking about Livonia, Michigan, which is going to be hosting an Evolve show. And and there's a couple, there's a couple things I want to talk about. Number one, they're holding it at a Knights of Columbia or Knights of Columbus uh, Hall which holds, I don't know, 120 people, maybe. 
And um, but not only are they holding it this this small small hall, but they brought in a huge huge name to wrestle in the main event. And I, I want to get your thoughts on that, Tom. Um, when they're bringing in a mega superstar, do you think that they should have I don't know maybe planned a little bit more in advance, or do you think like this is right where they should be? Well, I'll say this. So this Friday, May the tenth, it's going to be eight p.m. Uh, like Jade mentioned, we're looking at the Knights of Columbus, Livonia, Michigan. Evolve 127, Adam Cole versus Austin Theory for the Evolve Championship. Um, I'll be covering the show live on WrestlingNewsWorld.com. As far as the venue goes, I think Evolve really likes that nice intimate setting. This may be a little too small and intimate as far as, uh, man, that Bebe chant might blow the roof off the place. Um. I don't think it's a doubt they could have drew more. I just think it's a, how do you want the presentation of the show to look? Um, and I think the match is going to be incredible. Uh, I've had Austin Theory on my list for guys I think who are going to be major, major superstars down the line for a long time. Okay, and and you said you're going to be covering that show live. Um, of course, you're you know you're going to be with most of the press covering it. Um, how do me and Ben go about getting you? If if somebody finds you and mentions this podcast, can we get you to buy them a beer? Not if they're a family member of yours. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, so it. there's so Ben, if you want to get your ass back to Detroit really quick, I just got you a free beer from Thomas Fenton. I'm already on Travelocity booking my ticket now, <laughs> so, and I will mention this podcast, I promise you. So, Thomas, as always, man, it's, it's great having you on. Um, we've loved the little amount of time that we spent with Wrestling News World, and, um, you know, we've, we've been fans for a long time, but it's kind of cool getting to see the uh, the inner workings, and we're, we're really happy to be on with you. Um, really looking forward to having you on again. Like Ben said, it's going to be very soon. We're going to go over Money in the Bank. Um, I, I, I'm going to have a ton of questions about Evolve, and by a ton of questions, it's going to be one, how was the main event? Um, for you when you get back um, to everybody out there you can find us exclusively on wrestlingnewsworld.com um, go there not only can you find us but there's smart to death there's backstage news um, you're going to have your opinions from Thomas Fenton himself uh, directly after Raw and other you know main main type shows uh, Ben you got anything for the people uh, no thanks for listening guys I appreciate it um Tom, I want to say thank you. Um, it's been real. We'll see you in the next week or two. People out uh, there pleasure listening. Pleasure's always mine, guys. Thank you. People out there listening, this is Thomas Fenton, okay? I mean, this guy's an encyclopedia. You want more of this? Go to Wrestling News World. Go to the premium section. There's pages and pages of this stuff every day. So, yeah, make sure to check them out. I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Jay, do your thing, buddy. All right. Make sure you check us out on Twitter. We're at... Um, TTX Wrestling, that is at TTX Wrestling. You can look at Tom directly at Thomas Fenton, WNW. You can find both of us on WrestlingNewsWorld.com. You can also find our podcast everywhere that a podcast is played, including Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitchers, you know, all that fun stuff. With Make sure to give my boys a five-star review and post a comment, please. Any love is appreciated from everyone out there. Yeah, and if Thomas Fenton tells you to do it, just do it, Okay. Yeah, Tom, you want to tell the guy with the cool voice to take us out? <laughs> there you go. Guy with the cool voice, do your thing. 
Thank you for listening to Throw the Podcast. Join us again next week for even more wrestling commentary.